Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Modern Horse Training, A Constructional Guide to Becoming Your Horse's Best Friend, and many other books and DVDs about clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. This is part three of our conversation with Dr. Joe Lang about schedules of reinforcement. Last week, Joe shared with us some of the many ways in which the manipulation of schedules can influence behavior. Put a rat on an interval schedule and he'll go over and help his neighbor press a lever. Put his neighbor on a different kind of schedule, a DRL, a differential reinforcement of low rate, and instead of welcoming this other rat, he's going to attack it. So the schedules you're on, they showed very much affect social behavior. When Joe was talking about this, it made me wonder how we could use this information to help increase peaceful social interactions between horses that live together. If you have a herd that shows a lot of horse-to-horse aggression, this might be something that's well worth looking at. What are the schedules that your horses are on? In this episode, we're going to change gears quite a bit. We're going to move away from schedules to talk more directly about shaping. And so this is... How you set it up, but also the history of the Right, but you're setting up that history, right? Right. In the laboratory, I'm setting up the history of it. When I get an animal from, you know, I buy one, you know, from someone, I, I don't know what the history is. But the, but I'm, but it's, it, you can do a lot of things to make, you know, resilience, stick to itiveness, use a ratio schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and let's go back to the fundamentally in terms of reinforcement schedules here a bit. Is that typically there is a signal that occurs that results in an animal then going and consuming the reinforcer. Mm-hmm. In the laboratory, it's typically going over to a food magazine and eating out of the food magazine. So the food isn't presented contingent upon the behavior. A stimulus change is presented, which then occasions the animal walking over in it. So it's a little chain that occurs. And in most applied settings, it's the same way. This is why we use the clicker. You, know, you right. click, and then the ant, then you have a particular location where the animal is going to get the food. Either you're handing it to them, or there's a little tub that they're eating it from, or or whatever. However, you set it up, right? And so some people say, well, you can use a reinforcement schedule by saying, "I'll give three clicks and then the food." That is a big mistake because <laughs> what the research has shown is that the animals will learn to ignore the clicks because clicks must predict the food. They must be discriminative for the food. And so I can have a schedule where I have multiple stimuli that occur without food, but each one then sets the occasion for the next behavior, which sets the occasion for the next behavior, which sets the occasion for the next behavior, which sets the occasion for the food. So in a chain, you can present stimuli along the way. Because it's a signal to do the next thing, right? In a, right. If you if you if you give the click and then that nothing happens, that click will lose its meaning. 
So when you're setting up a schedule, say a dog coming back to you on recall, you wouldn't click it and not give it food. The animal would come back to you on the recall and you wouldn't do anything or reach down and pet it maybe or something, but not the food, right? right. Or something. But every every two times, he gets the food. Every three times. This is what Karen was trying to get to. That will strengthen that behavior and result in it coming up and you not having to get food each time. And if you do it on a variable schedule, you can get it so that dog, you don't have to give that dog food almost at all. And it'll come back to you. If you teach it incrementally. Incrementally. That's very important. Mm -hmm. And the and actually there was experiments done in our lab showing that humans would respond like crazy if, for very little reinforcers, if it was done programmatically. In other words, you program it. So it's incrementally changed over time, right? And at the intervals. Now, they've done experiments where it's been pretty rapid. And this is where the term ratio strain or, or schedule strain comes in. The mm -hmm. animal will break down if you go too fast. So they and, it, and it's aversive. So there's a schedule called progressive ratio schedules. So so you're on a schedule where you're you go from an FR2 to an FR4 to an FR8 to an FR16 to an FR32 to an FR64, and you get one nasty acting rat who will be very unhappy with you and will be quite aggressive. Or you can have it so it's not doubling, it just increments by a certain amount. So, you know, FR5, FR10, FR15, FR20, FR25, this type of thing. And these are progressive ratios. And people have experimented with progressive ratios and how much you can get to before you get what's called ratio strain. And ratio strain is, you know, the animal will work and then it'll break down and the behavior will break down. But you can always get, if you program it, Jack Finley and others have been able to do animals on fixed ratio 20,000 with the right kind of program. 20,000 responses for one three-second delivery of food. Yeah, that just seems... So you can program it if you're incrementally, like you say, such that you can maintain a lot of behavior with very little reinforcement. And this could be, I think, very, very valuable if done correctly and mm -hmm. done in, in applied settings. Um, you don't need to reinforce every time. Mm -hmm. the, uh, I have a question on this. Mm -hmm. Because we've had discussions in the community about the response unit. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've put your animal on a fixed ratio two, meaning that if it's a rat, he has to press the lever two times before getting the reinforcement. So the discussion was about are when the animal is doing his two presses, are we looking at one lever press failure of reinforcement, another lever press reward, or is the response we want to a twofer, to take Karen Pryor's expression, at the end of which there is a reinforcer, so there is no failure 
of reinforcement. It's just that the unit is two. Yeah. Instead of saying, really so in a way, it's a continuous reinforcement. It's just that now the response is no longer one. It's a twofer. Right. And the uh, and this has been actually a question raised in the experimental literature. And, <laughs> and the answer is, as far as I'm concerned, equivocal. There's been experiments that seem to say that it's 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 a series of 10 responses, each one not getting reinforced, and the 10th one is. There are other experiments which which suggest that it's a unit of 10, mm-hmm. and then, it, then it's reinforced, right? Right. There's other experiments which, call, which bring in what's called random racial or random interval schedules. Here, the, the, the response is reinforced, let's say you do 10, but the 10 is reinforced on a probability of 0.50. And it's wow. random. So the organism never knows when that 10th response is going to be reinforced. It has to admit 10 responses, but it's called a random ratio, whereby the re- the probability of reinforcement is now at less than one. Mm. And so that unit is not reinforced. Yeah, but I guess the discussion was in the context of no, fixed fixed ratio, um, and it was to explain why the intermittent schedule was, in a way, making it making the responses stronger, apparently more resistant to extinction, versus the fixed ratio, which was supposedly making the response less resistant to extinction, except if you looked at it right. as a and, unit of two. I understand, I understand the argument. And like I said, there's experiments that show both. Mm. And I could do a little research for you and see what the latest, you know, I'm an old guy and I, you know, I, I don't read this every day. I can go and see what the latest research on this topic is. Mm. But interestingly enough, when you get into things like variable schedules like variable interval and so forth then the unit what is the unit that's being reinforced there in other words on a fixed interval schedule only takes one response to be Mm -hmm. reinforced and if you can tell the animal when to respond it will and not respond all these other times but it'll engage in a lot of behavior unreinforced behavior Mm -hmm. on the fixed interval so on the interval schedules it is not a unit, right? And so you if you're using a, in an interval schedule, it's harder to argue that you're reinforcing a unit of responding. Mm-hmm. In the ratio, yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. In the intervals, very difficult to make that argument mm-hmm. since you don't have to respond to any of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's much more variability. Mm-hmm. So it is a it's a different ball of wax, so to speak. <laughs> then the other part is what's being reinforced? In other words, there are schedules that's been set up so that what you reinforce is you set a minimum IRT for reinforcement. In other words, minimum in a response time. And so it's not the number of responses, it's how quickly you respond. Right, right, right. So, and so the unit there is the inner response time, not mm-hmm. the response. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, which which you can see in animal training. I mean, if you have a set time to do a course, an agility course or a jumping 
force. Yeah. yeah, and they have reinforced, you know, schedules where they reinforce the IRTs. They, you can do the opposite. You can reinforce long IRTs rather than short. So you want or intermediate IRTs. In other words, you take, you look at the inner reinforcement times that are likely to occur, and you say, I'm going to only reinforce if it's greater than this, but less than this. <laughs> and you'll get more IRTs of that type. So the animal will just, it's in a reinforcement time based upon the reinforcement contingent upon the inner reinforcement time, even though the response is what's being reinforced, right? So the contingency now shifts. So the, the food is still following a response, but the unit is actually one response time, next response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's the unit that's actually mm -hmm. being reinforced. So again, how you set it up, <laughs> you know, you can set it up so that maybe the FR10 is one, maybe the FR10 is every one. You know, it's it you if you stop and think about it, you can usually set it up again to get whatever you want, <laughs> depending upon how you set your criteria on this. And so what they'll do is they will look at not only IRTs, but IRTs per opportunity in a reinforcement, meaning that if I emit a lot of short in a reinforcement times, my opportunities for the longer ones are less. Right. So, but given that opportunity for the longer one, will I respond with that, with that longer or intermediate one? If, the, if I respond at a high rate of those, I can say, although my short, my medium IRTs are infrequent, they actually have a higher IRT per opportunity rate than my lower and shorter ones, which are occurring more frequently. And so you can get all kinds of, you can get all kinds, I could send you articles on it. You can get all kinds of interesting things. And what's interesting is also drugs will have different effects on those IRT distributions, like I said. Mm -hmm. So the uh, and so forth. So so it it's uh, you know these questions in the laboratory have actually been looked at, and again how people set them up, they come up with different answers. Mm -hmm. so I wish I could give you a like it's this or been determined that, but as far as I know, it's it's still debated. Debated well, and it's more basically consensus is it's whatever you want it to be. In other words, it's how you want to set it up. And mm. so there are procedures you can use to make sure that that's the unit. Others where it's not the unit. In right, right. Affect it and so on. So it is, you know, I'm not sure it makes any difference in the applied world, whether it's the, whether you're continuously reinforcing 10 or one isn't being reinforced. Well, I think it was different for us because, and I wonder, Alex, if it, if it helped with the loopy training in a way. Because we we used to, and I guess, because when we started the podcast, you said, well, we're going to talk about schedules of reinforcement to maintain behavior. We're not mm -hmm. talking about schedules of reinforcement for shaping. And I'm sure half of our listeners went, oh, no, I want to talk about schedule of reinforcements during shaping because well, they're important, too. They have their effect, too. Right, but, if, but in shaping, you're looking for small incremental changes in the behavior of the organism. See, and shaping involves a series of, is, is the use of many micro-extinctions, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the previous behavior that was reinforced isn't going to be isn't typically going to be reinforced now. I'm looking for a variation. I'm going to try to catch that variation. I can't catch that variation if I'm not reinforcing it, <laughs> right? So it basically in shaping, it has to be continuous reinforcement. Now there have been laboratory studies of shaping the intermittent, but they but they're rare and they're and you know and it shows a lot of variability and not very you know. Yeah, but when you're shaping, you want to expand your behavior. Right. But you, you if you're teaching your horse you to back up. You do that with extinction, not schedules reinforcement. I mean, it's oh, okay. So, so this is a place, I guess, where the community is, is saying we're confused because we will say things like, do the ping pong when you're reinforcing. We used to say that. Now we're pl- we're well, but I'll just finish the idea. So we'll say, okay, you want your horse to back. He he now is backing one step. You want your horse to back five steps. Mm-hmm. And so, either you're going to do okay one one and a half two two and a half, or you could do one. I'll reinforce four, I'll come back to one, two, et cetera. You could do it like that, mm-hmm. which is a different schedule of right. reinforcement. Well, it's, it's a different contingent. I mean, you're you're putting a different requirement on behavior, right? That's so right. There is changing your requirements for reinforcement, right? And so one step or two steps are different requirements. And the so you're mi- manipulating your requirement for reinforcement. The reinforcement is still contingent upon whatever it is you're requiring, whether it's uh, one step or two steps, right? So <laughs> when when you're changing a schedule of reinforcement, aren't you changing the contingency? You no. You're not. Not unless you change the requirement. In other words, uh, the uh, the notion of, there's a difference between a dependency and a contingency. In a dependency. The consequence always occurs with the occasion and behavior. So continuous reinforcement isn't really a contingency. It's a dependency. Like your light switch, right? When you flip your light switch on, the light goes on every time. If it didn't, if it only occurred, (laughs) you know, every fifth time, you'd call an electrician. (laughs) Right. You don't want contingency when it comes to light switches, right? You want to. Okay. It depends on, you want the light to depend on the occurrence to come on that. It's it's called a dependency. Okay. So back to my example then. Right. So in a contingency, it's okay. In other words, what happens is the behavior can occur and will be maintained if the reinforcer does not occur each time. In a contingency, but the response requirement for that reinforcer must be met before it can occur. But that requirement can be met without the reinforcer. So, in a contingency, the consequence occurs if the occasion of behavior occurs, but the occasion of behavior can occur without the consequence. Okay. Right. That's a contingency. So, you can have a series of occasion behaviors occurring with no reinforcer. Right. So I can have it five of them or 10 of them. It's the same contingency. What I've just, all I've done, because the requirement is the same. I must press that micro switch and close that that lever. 
In other words, the requirement for reinforcement is a lever has to be pressed that depresses a microswitch, right? That has to occur, but that can occur without any reinforcer. But for that reinforcer to occur, that microswitch must occur. So that is when, that's why we use the word contingency. So you can have all kinds of variability in your occasion of behavior occurring or not occurring. You can have all kind. You can have the behavior without the occasion. You can have the occasion without the behavior. You can have the occasion and the behavior, but without if, the reinforcer. Without the reinforcer, but if the reinforcer is to occur, both the occasion and behavior have to occur. Mm -hmm. And so, as long the requirement is what defines the reinforcer. So if you change your requirement, I mean that defines a thing for reinforcement. It's not the number of responses, it's requirement that it's a kind of a it's it it, it can be kind of linked. You can change your requirements such that topography behavior is a different requirement, is part of a different requirement, and that does make it a different contingency. But so it's it's get it gets rather nuanced, but it's the requirement that defines the contingency. In other words, not the absence of a presence of the occasion behavior relation. So in other words, is it a different occasion and a different behavior? If it's the same one, then it's and it's just not being reinforced, then it then it, you know, until every once in a while, then it's the same requirement. It's just the frequency of reinforcement is just different. Is that making any sense? I know it's confusing. It's a and bit confusing. Say, I, you know, so if you're talking about one step, but one step back versus two steps back. Mm. So this time I require one step back. Next time I require two steps back. Mm. You're looking at what's going to maintain the requirement for reinforcement. Those may be two different contingencies. Since you're setting the requirement for that micro switch different. In other words, are you changing your, the question is, are you changing your micro switch? In other words, is there is there a, is a am I saying it has to be that's that's a tougher one. Again, it's how you set it up. If 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 is it under the same discriminative control? Yes, I just asked my horse to back. And but you, my my goal is to force after one step and sometimes after two steps. It's the same stimulus whether I want one or five. Okay, I asked so, the horse to back. It's just that I'm shaping back. here. I'm shaping right. it. I want to expand the behavior from one to five. Right. Well, under if 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 you're shaping and yeah. you're withholding the reinforcement until it does the two, right? Then it would be a new requirement, and so that would be a new contingency. Mm -hmm. So a program shaping is a sequence of contingencies of changing criteria. So you're changing the criteria. If it's either one or two and it'll get reinforced for either one, then it's the same criteria, right? If it's two, one, and then two, it won't be for one. Now it's three and won't be for two. Now it's four, but won't be for three. That's different. There is another way potentially to, you know, you delay reinforcement and, you know, 
and you can get adjunctive backing up maybe <laughs> as well. You might get all five at once, <laughs> yeah, but the, but it's, it's a man, it's a matter of what the, where the requirement is placed and shaping is a sequence of changing contingencies because you're changing the requirement for your reinforcer. In other words, the trainer is the micro switch in a way. In other words, it's evaluating whether the organism has met the requirement. And if you change what it takes to press that micro switch or how the micro switch is pressed and, or how much force it takes to do the micro switch is basically what you're, what you're changing, then you're changing the criteria. So that's a sequence of contingencies. All right. So and you're varying uh, that requirement. Right. So, yes. In, in what you're describing, you're varying the requirement. Right. It's the change in the requirement. That is that change in contingency when there's a change in requirement. And and some people would say, don't do 1532, just do 1, 1. 1.5, or whatever. Just build it up. Don't do the ping pong. That's... And some people do the ping pong. And and so I'm trying to see in the context of this discussion. It really doesn't have anything to do with schedules. That's mm. that has to do with programming <laughs> and programs, right? You're talking about what sequence of contingencies result give you the best result, right? What sequence do you put in effect? What kind of program do I use to get the best, re best result, right? So that... That that's a different question. That's not really a schedules question. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Schedule has to do with, you know, once you've got the behavior that you're after, mm. how often do you have to reinforce it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the maintaining part. Right. So you 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 never talk about schedules during shaping. Then people have done it. I wouldn't do it. Okay. <laughs> In other words, I. I, I would, and, and you definitely don't do it with your clicker. I've seen people try to shape, you know, click. Oh, no, no, no. I'll give yeah. them food and click. And no, that, yeah, no. shape. And that, that's a, yeah. that's a problem as well. But during shaping, even though the reinforcement may occur at different intervals, as a matter of fact, I and I think, you know, this is one of the things that I'm watching Alex work. Even though you're using these, many extinctions, your rate of reinforcement can be still very high. Yeah. It can actually be higher during extinct during shaping with extinction than later without extinction. Yes. Right? So the rate of reinforcement is what's critical in these, not so much that you're using extinct. You know, some people say, well, I never want to use extinction. And I'll say, well, then you'll never shape anything. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because you, because you, that's how you get your variability. <laughs> now, the question is, or you've got a good eye, can see the minimum variability along the vector you want, and can reinforce that and get keep that reinforcement rate up and move that behavior along. You know, the good shapers can do that very, very, you know, you watch them do it and they're just, looks like magic, right? Yeah. And the, but it's still little mini extinctions because you're not, you're not going to get the variability without it. So I, I think you're getting to the heart of where people got themselves really tripped up, especially in the early stages of exploring clicker training. I'm going to stop us here. We're getting to a really key part of understanding shaping, but I want to give you time to digest what has just been covered. 
If you have questions, you're not alone. Dominique and I have lots of questions as a result of this conversation. Some of your questions may be answered in part four, so hang in there with us. Joe has some more fun elements to share as he helps us connect what is done in lab experiments to what we need to know to make good choices in our real-world training. So until next time, train well and have fun with your horses.